we're, we're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at this time, we do want to dismiss our children to Children's Church. Um, they're going to be in great hands for the next 30 minutes. And so you thank our Children's Church workers. They, they love your kids. They, they love the opportunity to get to minister with them as they go. And, and so we are thankful for them. We start today a series in Galatians. If you turn in your Bible to that book, Galatians, it's in the New Testament. It's one of the smaller epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. And this one is the most unique, in my opinion, and it's one of my favorite. The Apostle Paul is going to teach us some things over the next uh, 11 weeks about what it means to live in grace. If you didn't catch the theme by the worship this morning, we are exalting Jesus and we are experiencing grace. Um, We have been shown grace like we've never been seen before. We we got to experience grace. I I often say, and I think it's just a reality, when you get to heaven because you've experienced grace, there's going to be Old Testament saints coming up to you and be like, what was that like? What was that like to live in grace? See, under under the Old Testament, they were under the law. And the law is not a a fruit of salvation. You can't be saved through the law. What the law did was point to a coming Messiah, mainly Jesus. And he would display his grace by dying for us on a cross. The Apostle Paul has a unique story. Now, you you remember, he, he didn't start out well. Like his life wasn't promoting the, the God. His life wasn't promoting Jesus. He wasn't one of the early disciples. Um, the apostle Paul, um, up until his conversion, he even had a different name. Jesus racked this world's brother. This Jesus racked this brother's life so hard he had to name change. Like your salvation probably wasn't that drastic that you had to change your name. But the the apostle Paul went from Saul to Paul. If you find your place in. Galatians chapter 1, we'll start right there in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who were with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Father, to to dive into this word today and and bring out what you have for us today. Lord, we we need your spirit here. So we we pray freedom in this place for the Holy Spirit, that you would have your spirit moving up and down every aisle. God, that if there's someone today who needs convicting, God, that your spirit would work there. If there's someone today who needs salvation, Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. God, for the one who who needs to just refocus their life on you, God, we we trust that that you're going to do that work. For those who need to partner with our church and ministry today, God, we, we give you all the authority that in this place because it's all yours to begin with. And we beg that you would spend time with us, that you would give us a fresh word, that we would, we would experience you new again. God, we thank you as we, as we declare through song that your grace is enough for us, Father. If you never give us anything else, if we never get another blessing, Father, we are satisfied by your grace. So God, we trust you that you're going to do your will. We believe in your power. We believe in the power of the resurrection. God, have your way in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, 
Amen. So the Apostle Paul, somewhere around uh, 55 A.D., there's a little bit of, of range there, just depending on, on when the Apostle Paul actually got the letter out. He writes a letter to the church in Galatia. Now, Galatia, he, he comes on a missionary journey. He, he plants the, the church there, and he began just like he did every time we see the Apostle Paul. He would go into the town. He would start talking with people. Gospel conversations have to happen if we're going to, if we're going to encourage our city, if we're going to infiltrate our city with the gospel. It has to happen through conversations. And so the Apostle Paul would go, and, and he would go find these cities and on his way. And remember, he always wanted to go to Rome. And so he's on his way that way, and he comes to Galatia and he plants a church there and he begins to love the people and he begins to teach them. And remember what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I don't come speaking eloquent language, but I come professing Christ and Christ crucified. He, he, he didn't come. And listen, the Apostle Paul was sharp. I mean, you got, you got a preacher who's dull, but this brother was sharp. I mean, this brother was a, a biblical genius. He had the Old Testament memorized. He just... He was so brilliant, and, and he would come, and, and he wouldn't just pour out his wisdom. He wouldn't speak above heads. He wasn't about, let me show you how impressive I am, but he wanted them to see the power that was held in the resurrection. He wanted them to see the grace of Jesus that was being displayed, that the, the, the resurrected Jesus has love poured out. We, we sing that song, the love ran red, that Jesus had paid the price for sin and that you and I now have freedom based off of that. So he's, he's imparting all of this to the church in Galatia, and then he leaves because he wasn't. He didn't count himself as a, a pastor who would come in and grow the flock. He would build it up, and when it was sustainable, he would leave. He would bring someone to pastor, and he would go on. He was a planter. That's, that's what he was about. That's where his heart was. But as he left, some people come in. And y'all aren't going to believe this. There was distension in the church. That's a new one, isn't it? We've never had that. No one's ever gotten upset at church before. No one's ever gotten mad at church before. But these brothers come in, and they, we're going to call them, for all intents and purposes, we're going to call them Judaizers. Now, if you Webster Dictionary that, you're probably not going to come up with that. That's going to be a theological term that we made up in seminaries. And these Judaizers came in, and what they said, they, they looked at the work of Jesus, and they said, oh, that's cool. We, we like Jesus dying on the cross and stuff, and... And all that stuff. But for salvation to take hold, you must also be circumcised. So the Jews were looking at the Gentiles who now get to experience freedom in the gospel for the first time. And they're saying, oh, we know the Apostle Paul said that you're saved by grace through faith. But you also have to go back and be circumcised. And so what he was saying was was that we know what the Apostle Paul said, but we're just going to add to it. We're, we're going to add to it. We're, we're going to, to put some stuff in there, and, and we're going to, to add some stuff to the requirements of salvation that Jesus himself never said you were going to do. The Apostle Paul came in and said, you're saved by Christ, and that's it. That's it. There, there's nothing else. Our church, you, listen, you can be a member of every Southern Baptist church, from the tip of Florida to the top of the state of Washington. You can be baptized in every baptistry, in every creek, to every frog and tadpole knows your social security number. All right? But if you don't have salvation, and that alone, 
then you're not saved. It, it comes, it boils that simple. He's about salvation, not circumcision or present day. He's not about membership. He's not about baptism, although those are, are good things. And those are going to be things that he commands us to do. But that's not where his focus was. He wanted us to get salvation. So as we think through what it means to have legalism, we, we, we understand this, this working definition for us of legalism is Christ plus anything. Anything you add to Christ by means of salvation. And we've got, we've got churches in our area who say this. Who say this, that, that you've, got to, you've got to accept Christ and you've got to be baptized. You've got to accept Christ and, and join the church. And you've got to accept Christ. And at any time you put an and after Jesus, you just went legalism. And you're like, well, why do we do that? Because we tend to like legalism. We wouldn't say that out loud. We wouldn't say that and say, oh, I just love being legalistic. But, but at times we, we like legalism. I'm going to give you three reasons of why we like legalism and why we gravitate that way. It's because we get to work in our own power. You see, the power of Jesus, if we're honest, it scares the daylights out of us. He doesn't need us to approve of his plan. He doesn't need us to approve of his strategy or his will. God is the most powerful thing you and I can ever experience. Remember before Alabama power was created in Genesis when God said, let there be light? Light happened long before the Southern Company. God's the most powerful agent in, the, in his incarnated flesh when he was dead in the grave. He resurrected no one holds that power. God spoke to a mass. It's what the Bible calls in the beginning. In the beginning, this, this mass was there, and the Spirit was hovering over the deep. God took mass and created our world. He is huge. He is mighty. He is holy. His power is unexplainable and unobtainable. And we like to work in our own because his terrifies us. We also like to play by our own rules. If you haven't heard this before, I'll say it many times. The greatest desire of man is to be God. Why Adam and Eve fell in the garden? They wanted to be God. They wanted to know good and evil. They wanted to know all the things of the Lord. We like to play by our own rules. We like to have the court and our ball, and we, get, we go home when we want. We like to have our cake, and we like to eat it too. And when we play by our own rules, what we will do is say things that the Bible never said. And so for these Judaizers who come in to Galatia, and they, they see these people, these Gentiles, who had never experienced the freedom and grace. They had never experienced the gospel before. And they come in, and all of a sudden, these Gentiles who are eating bacon, they're over there having a good time experiencing the Lord. And these Jewish brothers come in and go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Y'all didn't go through circumcision? Y'all didn't have to go through that painful thing? What is this about? No, you ain't saved then. You don't like, we, we don't like it when, when we can't control the situation, and, and yet God has never given us control over him. God has never asked you to be his God. He's always begged for obedience and for you to follow him. He's always begged for you to follow him, not vice versa. Because at the heart of man, listen, we make crummy gods. 
Think if you had the ability to destroy somebody riding down 459. Y'all act like y'all don't get road rage. I've seen y'all driving. I saw how y'all piled in the parking lot. It looked like Daytona 500 coming in. We make crummy gods. We get angry. We get frustrated. We get mad. We, we wish ill of people. We, we're gossipers. We're gluttonous. We would make awful gods. Awful gods. And yet, at our deepest desire, we want to be that. And we want to play by our own rules. Can you imagine if you had your way in every circumstance, how that would play out on the totality scale of eternity? Man, we would be awful. But not only is God calling us, and not only do we want to have our own power and, and play by our own rules, but we ultimately want to earn the favor of the Lord. Man, we, we, we want to somehow get God in, in debt to us. And I've seen this. This happens all the time. People come into church and like, but, but Pastor Jeff, I was here. I put the, put the bulletins out. Pastor Jeff, you don't, you don't understand. I was helping people out of their car. Pastor Jeff, I, I took this lady's groceries out to her car, and I, and I did all these things, and, and I cut my neighbor's grass, and, and I did all this. How come God doesn't owe me? Because God satisfied every desire you would have at the cross. Jesus is enough, and yet we want somehow to get God indebted to us that he owes us something, and he doesn't owe you anything. In fact, if we got what we deserved, we would all be in hell for eternity. Eternity. None of us are worthy of God's grace. None of us are worthy of, of justification. None of us are worthy of salvation or mercy or grace. And yet we read in the Old Testament, as Pastor Ron, as he taught, the, the mercies of the Lord are new every day. Every day. So those sins that you committed yesterday, God's saying, I'll forgive them. And the wrath that you deserve, I'm going to hold it back. Not because you're awesome, but because he's holy. Not because you're some type of special and, and cute believer, but because he's a good father. So we, we love, we love legalism. We like hanging on to it, but we have to, we have to release from that. So the apostle Paul understands the situation. He gets word of what's happening back in Galatia, and he writes to them. And not only do they come in and tell, tell them, the Galatians, that you have to be circumcised and all this, they also attacked the Apostle Paul. They attacked the Apostle Paul, and they said, you don't need to listen to that man. He's a heretic. You don't need to listen to that man. He was a lunatic. He's crazy. You don't listen to him. So he starts his letter, and he says, Paul, an apostle, and listen to this. This is great. He says, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. He, he allows himself. He, he says, I'm Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know what an apostle is, we, there's a difference between being a disciple and being an apostle. I am a disciple of Jesus. Disciple is a big word that means I'm a learner of Jesus. I want to learn about him. I want to learn from him. I do that through his word. I do that through the disciplines that God has given us to practice. And I do that through prayer, meditation, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I get to be a disciple. I cannot be an apostle. An apostle was a, a disciple who saw Jesus, who was alive in the time of Jesus. Now, you're going to say, but wait a minute, Jeff. Wait a minute. I know my Bible. And the apostle Paul 
Saul, before he met Jesus, was not a disciple. He wasn't one of the twelve. In fact, he, he wasn't even mentioned among the Gospels. How, how is this brother going to be an apostle? I'm glad you asked. In Acts chapter 8, after the stoning that we see there, our brother, he, he becomes the first martyr in the New Testament. We meet a guy named Saul from Tarsus. Saul from Tarsus was a, a horrific man who was going to be a great religious leader. See, don't equate what we do with Jesus as religion. Religion is something you can participate in, maybe have an investment in. When we walk with Jesus, it's a surrender of our life. We're not just participating. We're living. It's a complete countercultural movement, and our lives are sold out to the Lord. So we find this guy named Saul, and he's headed to Damascus to the synagogue. You can read this in Acts 9. He's headed to the, he's headed to the synagogues in Acts, and he's not going there to have a prayer service. His goal is to drag them out of Damascus, drag them back to Jerusalem. This isn't going to be willing. This isn't going to be fun. They're not riding a greyhound, okay? They're going, he's going to get them. He's going to drag them back, and they're going to kill them. Right? This, this isn't going to be a, a fun trip for any of the believers of the way, is Acts how 9 calls the, the early church. He's, none of this is going to be good for them. None of this is going to be fun for them. But he's going to get them. And on the way there, you know the story. On the way there, Jesus intervened his life. On the way there, Jesus does a God-sized work before them. And he gets to experience grace. A light shines on the road. And there's people with the Apostle Paul in this time. And, and there's a voice that breaks through the light. And it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love the Apostle Paul's words next. He declares the lordship. Of, he, he knows who he's talking to. He knows the power of the Lord is ever present before him. You see, my, my salvation story isn't like the Apostle Paul's. The vehicle of salvation that God chose to use for my salvation was a pastor named Brother Mark. Brother Mark was standing down during an invitation, and, and he, we were in the 19th verse of Come Just As You Are. And we just kept that thing on repeat because the Holy Spirit knew I needed to be saved. And that thing just, come just as you are. We just kept singing. We just kept singing. And like at this point, like I'm, I've, got the, I've got the pew, the, the thing in front of me, I'm going to rip it off. Like I'm under such conviction from the Holy Spirit. God is calling me for salvation, but in my pride, I want to think I've got this together because remember, legalism says we operate in our own power. I wanted to think I was okay. And so, come just as, and we're, we just keep singing. I'm like, I'm like, can we shut this thing down? My heart's supposed to pop out of my chest. I go down to this pastor, I, he finally, and he, like, he did the thing that most pastors, close your eyes and bow your head, and I'm just like, thank God it's over, but that's when God said, let me show you something. He flipped it on high, the conviction was after me, I finally, I pushed my, my stepmom kind of out of the way, like I was a defensive back going for the tackle, so I just kind of shoved her, and I went down, and by the time, and I'm, I'm tough, like, I'm, I'm a man's man. I get down, and this man's man was blabbering so bad, the preacher couldn't understand what he was saying. Like, I might as well convince, convince to murder up there because he couldn't understand what I was saying. Like he, <laughs> but we get a discernible gift and I, he knew what I needed. He knew I needed Jesus. 
And he walks me through that. He, he explains to me who the Lord is and allows me to receive him into my life. But as much as I love Brother Mark, Brother Mark didn't save me that day. Brother Mark has no saving power on me. He was the vehicle agent. So when the Apostle Paul tells us that his authority didn't come through man, there was no man agent in the Apostle Paul's story. Jesus was his agent. Jesus was his salvation. Jesus alone, he says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you after me? Why are you killing my people? He came to faith and repentance in the presence of Jesus, which now gives him the authority to be called an apostle. He experienced the resurrected Christ in his salvation experience. And you're like, well, I did too. Um, not like he did. He saw the Lord Jesus. He saw him in his resurrected body. He's an apostle. So he's telling the church in Galatia, he said, he said, no man came and gave me this authority. No man, the disciples didn't get together. The Jerusalem council had not happened yet. No man has given him the authority to be called an apostle. His authority came from Jesus. As disciple makers, our authority has come from Jesus. You don't need my authority to go make a disciple. You don't need Pastor Ron's authority to go make a disciple. Jesus has given you the authority. He said, go. It's not by man nor through man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So he, he defends who he is and he, he experiences God's grace towards himself. And we see that through his salvation experience that God, that God showed up and showed out in his life. And he, he did it in your life. If you're in here today and you're able to say, I am saved, I've been saved by grace. That was God showing out in your life. Then he holds to the gospel. So he, when the Apostle Paul writes Galatians, he's a bit frustrated. He's a bit frustrated because someone came back behind him, came under him, undermined his authority, undermined his teaching, undermined what he had started there. He's a bit frustrated. And yet notice it's like, if you let me write Galatians and I know what the Apostle Paul does, I'm not starting by grace and peace to you. I'm not starting like that. And yet we see the Apostle Paul. He says, he says I apostle an apostle not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The apostle Paul starts with the gospel. The most important conversation we can have is the gospel. So he didn't start by flipping things over and showing how mad he was. He didn't start by how disappointed he was in the church or, or about how the people should be accursed. He's going to get there, but he wants them to understand that what we hold to above everything else is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest news the world has ever heard that you and I can come into relationship with Jesus. That's where he starts. So he's not, he's not, you bunch of fools, let me set you straight. He reminds them of the gospel. The world needs to be reminded of the gospel. So he tells them that his authority comes from Jesus who was raised from the dead. He says to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells them the gospel again who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. If you're mad and frustrated, is that how you start a letter? Grace and peace to you from Jesus? He, he tells them, 
that the Lord will deliver them from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. He says, He is the glory. The Apostle Paul holds to the great news of the gospel. He wants us to understand that the gospel is free. Now, you've heard most of your life that salvation is free, but let me remind you this morning that why it is free to you, it costs God everything. Salvation is free, but it wasn't cheap. You hear me this morning? Free, not cheap. He said, anyone can now hear this. The gospel is coming to the Jews as well as to the Gentiles. And as an audience, probably 100% Gentile this morning, that's great news. We can have our bacon and accept Christ too, right? This is good news for us. He's, he's telling them the gospel is free. God has initiated salvation. God has, has began the task for you and I to accept him. He initiated. So, so when I got saved, it wasn't because I was sitting there and then my self-righteousness said, I need to experience the Lord. God began by revealing to me, brother, you're a sinner. Big boy, you think you got it all together. You're a sinner. The Holy Spirit started convicting me. I didn't know I needed salvation. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know I needed, I didn't know I needed deliverance from my sin. What I knew is I thought I had it all together. Boy, I was big. I was muscular. I was working out for football. Y'all remember that? Back when you were in your prime, you had it all together. You had wheels. You couldn't tell me anything. I didn't know I had a sin problem. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that my, my life choices were leading me to an eternity separated from God. I didn't know that. I wasn't looking for some type of way to receive forgiveness. I didn't know I needed forgiveness. My salvation story started with God pursuing me. I wasn't pursuing Him. God was pursuing me. In my life of sinfulness, God was calling my name. In my life of depravity, God was calling my name. He initiated salvation. But notice, not only did, did God initiate salvation, but Jesus accomplished the thing. So when I get up here and I get to say, I've been saved by grace through faith, it wasn't anything I did. Nothing I did. Nothing that was man-based. I couldn't do anything. Jesus accomplished salvation. That now I experience the grace of the Lord, not on my own merit, not because I'm cute, not because I'm good looking, not because I'm intelligent, not because of any of that, but because it was the grace of Jesus being poured out onto us that he accomplished our salvation. When Jesus was on the cross and he screamed out, it is finished, it was. And in his resurrection, now the free gift of God is available to us. He says, accept it. Accept, now, that sounds really easy. It's, it's weighty. Accept it. But at that accepting of it, you're laying your life down. You're laying your life down. But what life are we laying down? A life full of sin and hurt? Listen, when I was lost, I did things lost people did. I couldn't help my sin. It was natural. It's just who I was. I said things I didn't want to say. I acted in ways I didn't want to act. I hung out with people I didn't need to hang out with. The decision-making process that I had was flawed and bathed in sin. 
But Jesus accomplished our salvation. Not only is the gospel free, listen, the greatest news of the morning, second greatest news of the morning, it's also freeing. It's also freeing. Meaning that once the gospel is in you, once you become alive in Christ, because you were dead in your trespasses, once you become alive in Christ, sin no longer has the authority over you. Sin no longer has the authority over you. Isn't that good news? You're no longer captive to sin. You're no longer shackled in sin. By grace, we are freed from the sin that shackles us. By grace, you are free. So it's salvation. I j- just imagine that when you accept Christ, those spiritual chains that you had fell off. At salvation, that, that, that stuff, that, that miry clay, that mess that you were, fell off. You say, but Jeff, I still got a sin problem. You do. You, but now you and I aren't a slave to sin. The sin that we get in, we choose to get in. The mess we get ourselves in, we choose to get in. We're no longer built for sin. We've been set free to the glory of Jesus. So not only does the, the shackles of, of sin fall off, but by grace we are free to share what the Lord has done. The Apostle Paul is telling to the church in Galatia, after he tells them, uh, for he who gave himself for our sin, in verse 4, he delivers us from the present evil age. You and I are not shackled by that anymore. He, we've been delivered by Jesus according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. When you start giving glory to God, being a natural disciple maker will just be part of the process. When you start living in the fullness of God, being a disciple maker will be part of who you are. When you start living out the life that Christ has called you to live, it's just going to be natural that that muscle gets exercised and we become disciple making people. When you've experienced grace, that should be a natural overflow. When you've experienced the goodness of Jesus, when you've tasted and when you've seen Jesus, the overflow of disciple-making should just be naturally part of who you become. Telling people of the great news of Jesus should be a natural component of who you are. Today, I want you to reflect on two questions. Have you experienced the grace of the Lord in your life? Have you experienced the grace of the Lord? Have you been to the place where you realized you were indebted because of your sin? You realized that you were shackled because of your sin and you laid it down and accepted Jesus. Have you experienced today salvation? I'm not talking about have you been baptized? I haven't asked that. I'm not talking about, hey, is your name on a church membership somewhere? I haven't asked that either. I'm asking you, has your life been given to the resurrected Lord Jesus? If not, you, you haven't fully experienced grace. God's offering you a gift. Oh, and it's a wonderful gift. We sing that song. Amazing grace, how sweet. The sounds that saved a wretch 
like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Have you experienced the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If not, you come down. We're just going to move into a time of invitation where you get to make decisions before the Lord. If the Lord's calling you today and you say, Jeff, that amazing grace that, that God set forth to save a wretch like me, it's not in me. It's not here. Don't go home. Don't be miserable. We, we want to aid you in that. We can't save you. Don't come up here and be like, save me. Unless you're on fire and I got a bottle of water, you're in trouble, okay? I can't save you. But I would sure love to introduce you to the one who can. I would sure love that. Me and Pastor Ron are going to be up here. You do what the Lord's calling you to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. God, we beg. We beg this morning for you to move in this place. God, we know all authority is yours. We know all power this morning is yours. And Lord, we are just trusting that you're going to do a God-sized work in here. If there's someone in here today who, who needs to receive salvation, God, that you would call them to that. For those who need to join our church and partner with us in ministry, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to do that. Father, for, for those who need to just experience your grace fresh and anew, God, that you would pour yourself out. God, thank you for saving a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but I get to see not because of me, but because of you. We give you all authority and, and all, all purpose for this invitation. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us this morning?